Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and today we're going to be talking about LGBTQ plus issues in the workplace. And we have with us Joanna Schaefer, Valerie Croft, and Warren Parker. Joanna, tell me about how you first came to Portland, if you would. Sure. Um, I actually grew up in Nevada. I went to school at University of Oregon. I studied architecture. Um, And then after I graduated, I was looking for an adventure and moved to New York City for a little while. And then missed the West Coast a whole lot. Yeah. So uh, I came back to the West Coast knowing that Eugene wasn't going to cut it anymore. So I moved to Portland. Couldn't find a job in construction, which is what I was looking for. But I ended up as a temp first in the billing department and then kept trying to move over to transmission, kept trying to move over to distribution to get more construction experience to kind of, because that's where my experience is. That's yeah. where my education is. And so um, ended up uh, eventually with transmission engineering and um, have been there since 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, Fantastic. but I've been, I've been with the company for almost 16 years. Oh, that's wonderful. Is part of the reason was because there was a bird mobility for you? Definitely, yeah. definitely. But I really like the support of the company that I can, for the most part, bring my whole self to work. Oh, that's wonderful. And so here. that's one of Just the reasons why place, I stick around. Great place to start at. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Valerie? I moved to... Portland in 2009. I had been living in the Midwest for almost 20 years. I My dad was in the military. That's what I ended up. And after I came out and transitioned, I didn't want to be in the Midwest anymore and I didn't want the snow. So me and a couple of friends moved out here. Oh, how wonderful. Can you talk to me a little bit about your decision to transition and why it's made harder by a certain locale than another locale? Well, in a lot of ways, it wasn't really a decision it was more a necessity. Before I transitioned, there was a lot of mental issues. I spent a lot of time dealing with the discomfort. Mm. Uh, And eventually everything just built up to a point where I couldn't deal with it anymore. And I had to admit who I really was and be who I really was. Tell me about um, the discomfort. How does it show up? Is it a bodily discomfort? Is it psychic pain so that we can begin to understand the lives and the minds of people who are considering this? Uh, it's a lot of psychic pain. You're, everything just seems wrong. I, I've heard a friend told me once uh, that it's kind of like the mental equivalent of having a sock that doesn't fit. Mm. Your, when your socks are on, you don't think about them. Right. But if they're a little too small, a little too big, they've got a hole in the toe, that's all you notice. You mm-hmm. walk around, that's all you notice. And with the gender identity, it was like that. You know, it's like I walked along every day knowing something was wrong. Uh, growing up when I did, I, you know, I'm in my late 40s. Yeah. Uh, growing up, it was a lot of, no, you don't do that. You just shove it aside. So you don't think that that's the issue. You just think there's something wrong with me. Was it also something that your parents did to reinforce that, that you shouldn't think that way because that's going to cause you more pain if you actually exhibit behavior that suggests you're a woman? For me, no, my parents didn't because I never brought it up. Oh. The, the culture taught you not to bring it up. TV shows, movies, anything where that came up, it was a joke. It was a punchline. Oh. That was a pathetic person. Do you think we are bending toward progress when it comes to the issue of trans rights? Yes. We still have a long ways to go, but it's a discussion we're having now. Yeah. In the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, it wasn't discussed. 
You know, if there was a point in time in the trans community where if you wanted to transition, if you wanted to do anything surgical, you had to commit to when you did this, you would leave your life behind and start anew somewhere else where nobody knew you. Really? Yeah. Just because it was so shocking for for people to... Right. Basically, you had to commit to, and basically, one day you would just like leave, disappear, and you would start your life somewhere else and no contact. I want to talk with you about your decision to come out. How old were you when you decided to be who you are, your whole self, as you describe it? Right. I was... uh a little bit of a late bloomer in the romantic department. And so I didn't, um, I didn't start dating till I was 26 and I didn't come out till I was 28 or 29. It was kind of a, it wasn't too hard for my family, but my family was a little bit disappointed that they hadn't known earlier. Like Mm. I knew since I was 14, maybe probably earlier, but I had never, I never talked about it with my family. I never, and, and they were like, like, I wish we would have known. We could have <laughs> right? helped. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But, you know, there was some comments dropped every once in a while that I was just like, you know what, until it becomes an issue, I can't make it an issue. So it wasn't, you know, those 28 or 29 that, that I started dating a woman and um, was like, well, I have to come out. I have to tell my family. Yeah. And before that, you just didn't date? Yeah. Bef- you just had um, friendships? I, I dated a, a few men when I was 26, 27, 28. Mm, but, wow. um, yeah, didn't so interesting. I, I was just listening to an interview with Pete Buttigieg and he says the same thing. I just sort of compartmentalized it until I really had to face it. Right. When you want to be sexually active and you want to have real love in your life, you have to face it. But I'm so amazed at that's 30 years of your life. That is such a big chunk of a human being's life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. do you ever look back on those years and say, I wish I could reclaim them so I could have loved and been loved? I don't think so. I, I'm a very firm believer in like all the things happen to me for the reasons they need to happen. And my life would be very different had I been dating when I was 14, (laughs) had I been dating in my early twenties, like my life would have been way different. And I really like, um, like, even though it's, you know, uncomfortable in the time and I felt really awkward, you know, like being in my twenties and not dating, I really like that I got the time to heal myself to get to know myself, to develop my own interests without trying to be beholden to somebody else or trying to fit others' interests into my interests or anything. Like I really got to, I really got to know myself better. Yeah. Wonderful. Warren, Warren, I just want to begin with you because um, you're a young man and I want to know when you came out, how long you've been sort of in the Portland area And if you could just give us a little bit of background about your journey being an openly gay man. Yeah. um, So I am born and raised here in the Portland area. I grew up just south of Portland in Malala. I came out my senior year of high school. And I've shared with our group previously that I kind of did everything all at once. I decided to come out, but also to start a GSA, which is a gay straight alliance um, at our high school, Wow, which is a very rural community. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of outcry from the community uh-huh. in me wanting to do something like that. Yeah. We had members of the local churches calling um, my parents at work and at home 
about how awful this decision was. Um, and I had a lot of like backlash from students and from school administrators in wanting to start something like this. But it was something that was very important to me because I saw the need, like if this is what's happening to me, then the other kids that are closeted, they need someone to be the person to like break the ice and like make it more of a affirming environment. What do you think is the difference between you and the kids who had to remain closeted? I actually don't know. Like I just, um, I think one of the things that I saw is that even though it was a small school and I knew that many students were not for it, I definitely had my friends that I saw show me ways that they were okay with me as a person of who I was gay, straight, otherwise. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that I at least had someone to go to. And, you know, it's it's always hard to find those people. I think it's the interesting thing about our community is you're always like, are they one of us? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you never know. Yeah. I would really like some guidance about how you ask that or figure it out. You know, it's like this this unspoken communication that's so complicated, right? How was the transition into the work world? Did you apply to companies that you could see had a more robust and diverse recruiting capacity? That was something that definitely uh, came into play uh, as I started looking for jobs. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important to, is to see jobs that have ratings with the HRC, uh, which is the Human Rights Campaign, their Corporate Equality Index, Yeah. Uh, that they have really good rankings with that as far as how they're treating uh, LGBTQ employees and how they're doing business out in the community. And that was, that was very important to me uh, as I was looking because I did... I know that I can only show up the best when I'm being affirmed. Yeah. And so that was really critical for me. Isn't that the truth for all of us, (laughs) right? To be kind of accepted as human beings is who we are. I thought it was so interesting to me, Joanna, that you said one of the most difficult things is that you said it's hard for me when I'm trying to deal with coworkers to know if I'm being passed over because I'm fat or because I'm a lesbian. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that that sentiment is so true for almost all of us. So I want you to speak to that experience and how you cope with it in the workplace. Sure. Um, I also don't identify as lesbian. I do identify as queer. Oh, okay. Um, Um, But what is the difference? For me, it's different for a lot of people. Um, But um, I am uh, romantically and sexually interested in both men and women um, and everything in between, all the the NBNBs. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so, um, so... So that's what it means to me. I um, I used to call myself bisexual, but um, then when I started learning more that um, gender and sexuality is not a binary, it's a spectrum, it's a it's a wheel. Um, yeah. I didn't want to identify with the binary. I didn't want to try to define it in a binary. It's way messier than that. Yeah. So that's why I like the word queer um, for myself. Yeah. I, I'm not going to try to call anybody else queer. Also, you know, probably not going to recommend that folks who don't identify as queer use this language. But with my permission, people can call me queer. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. That's wonderful. How about that? Yeah. Um, So I do, I do struggle, maybe not struggle, but, um, but it is hard to determine, am I being passed up for jobs? 
because I identify with the LGBTQ community? Yeah. Uh, is it because I'm fat? Um, and I and I don't take offense to the word fat either. Um, it's it's a descriptor like anything else, and yeah. it's part of who I am. It's part of myself. It's just the thing. But but it's hard to know because there's so much discrimination um, against people of size that it's hard to know. Do people not take me seriously because fat is equated with being lazy, with mm. being stupid, with being undisciplined yeah. and um, and whatnot? And I'm none of those things. I'm yeah, none of those I things at all. I can tell that very much. You're right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm well-educated. I'm a hard worker. And that shouldn't have any bearing on how I'm treated at work. But it's it's hard to know. Also... I work in engineering, which is male dominated yeah. and I'm a female. Mm-hmm. And so I also don't know, are they not taking me seriously because I'm female? So it's really hard for me when I feel like I'm being passed over, when I'm not being taken seriously. It's hard to know which identity that might be stemming from. It's hard to know. And maybe it could it could just be the fact that I'm kind of a goofball and, you know, like maybe folks aren't taking me seriously because I'm a goofball. But, you know, I'm I'm all of these other things, too. Right. And I and I do um, I do bring a lot to the workplace. And so um, so I really hope that we can all be treated fairly based off of our work right and the way we treat others and whatnot and not about physical characteristics and not about sex and gender and not about sexuality and not about any of these things that we really don't have a whole lot of control over i want to um valerie because i can imagine if joanna is speaking to this experience you can also speak to it in spades oh yeah i have had a number of job interviews where on the phone and through email everything has gone fine and then i walk in and they get this look on their face. Mm, and you can see it. Yeah, they don't cover it up perfectly. That little bit of shock, you have the interview, and you hear nothing. Mm. It's painful. Uh, when it happened when I first moved to Portland, I didn't have a job. Nobody in my household had a job, and we were on the verge of, all right, we've got to pack it in and head it back because, you know, beg for money to get back. Mm. And I ended up getting a job, and so it was tough at that point. I did look for other jobs while I was at that place, And at that point, I used it as I got lucky because if they were passing me up for because I'm trans, then working there would have been miserable. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a sad state of society that, oh, I was discriminated against and I felt relief. Right. It is. uh, That's such a conundrum, isn't it? Like you'd give anything for the organization to make some positive change, but you don't want to have to be the person who did it either. Right. (laughs) I've done that at a number of organizations and it's It's hard. And sometimes you just want to, I want to go to work, do my job. job. Yeah. Right. All of us. Right. Who wants to have to carry the banner of I'm helping you guys be human. Warren, what's your experience been like that? Do people invite you to lunches, even though you might be one of the few people who are gay? I would say that I've had an interesting experience. So I also used to be a very, very heavy person. And that's an interesting dichotomy in the queer community in general, but especially around gay men. Mm -hmm. I would find like other queer people at work, but not necessarily know like, oh, am I accepted because I also have this other thing about me. And so like trying to form a group, which is why having groups at work are so important Mm -hmm. because it is like you're finding your community within there and you can share yourself in different ways. So it's not just this like surface level thing. I find though that 
one of the places that as a white gay man, like I have a lot of privilege, right? Like, yes, my sexuality may be that I prefer to have sex with men, but beyond that, I have a lot of privilege. And because you got the white male part of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I see that. So um, (laughs) I think that that's why this work has always been so important to me too. Like, because I am taken at a different level than other people in our community, which is really unfair. But then how do I like push that? Yeah. Um, Because I know that uh, your company provides some framework for support. Would you each talk about either a program or an event or some interaction with someone that has been really helpful to you? So I used to work um, in a different part of our company on the uh, that dealt with our transmission and distribution groups. And one of the opportunities that came along was to do a ride along with one of the repair people. And that terrified me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know that I'm safe going out to our field offices because that is a very hetero male dominated field. And so uh, I worked with my supervisor and I said, Hey, I don't know that I feel safe. She was great. We had a a really awesome conversation and I ended up getting paired with a repairman that had previously expressed interest in diversity Mm. at, at our uh, office. And I ended up having a great experience with him. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, And so it was, it's always like those little learning opportunities. Like I always need to reset my lens as well. Yeah. So Um, was it helpful because he asked questions, was open, curious, or because it was just two guys having a great time that day? It was just two coworkers um, getting to share like our different experiences. You know, uh, he had been um, with our company for quite a few years. um, And so kind of seeing his perspective and where things were going, uh, it was just an interesting conversation. It also just gives you a new perspective into life on the other side. Yeah, incredible. Warren, I like what you said um, about changing your lens. One, um, this was... This was many years ago. I was going through a really bad breakup and and I was just trying to stay mum about it because there weren't a lot of people who knew that I was dating this person. And it was just, it was getting really bad where we still lived together, but we were broken up and she was bringing her new boyfriend around. And like, it was, it was really messy and I was really struggling. And one of my coworkers could see, could see that I was struggling, right? And, and she's like, tell me what's going on. And I was like, no, no, no. Like it's too much. We're friends at work and you know, we don't need to, we don't need to delve any deeper than that. And she's like, no, you need to tell me what's going on. And I started making all these, you know, internal judgments of she lives in the country. You know, it's probably a more conservative area. I don't know how this is going to fly, you know? And I started making all these judgments and she's like, you have to tell me. And I just like, sobbed into her shoulder telling her all this stuff that was going on and she just wrapped me in this big bear hug of like we're all family I got you (laughs) and and so that really taught me that if I need somebody to be open-minded about me I also need to be open-minded about them good one really good what about you Valerie um I haven't had a lot of experiences with that where I'm at call centers tend to be a little more open because appearance isn't an issue in the call center. It's yeah. how you work on the phones and how you can deal with the customers. Yeah. So there tends to be a larger mix there. Still not a lot of trans in the call center simply because we are such a small minority of the overall population. Mm-hmm. But I think just because of that, people are experienced with that and 
they know not to ask too many questions right off the bat. It's like they all understand that you can't just, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Give me your personal details, mm-hmm. you know. Right, yeah. But after getting to know people, sometimes they're like, hey, can I just ask you a personal question so I can understand? And if it comes from a point of un- trying to understand, I'm more than happy to answer the questions. Yeah, incredible. Um, I just want to wrap up by asking you each to give the best suggestion you could, you know, if you were king of the world <laughs> in terms of how businesses run and how they can assist and um, include the LGBTQ community in a real passionate way, not just like lip service to it, but this is really our values and we're going to live it every day. Can you try to come up with something that would help companies do that? Uh, well, I'll start. Yeah. I, uh, so as I mentioned, I think that the human rights campaign getting and being a part of that, um, the corporate equality index, um, and even if you don't get that perfect score the first year, we didn't either, mm-hmm. but we found like, oh, so now we actually have areas of opportunity to work on. And then showing that improvement shows that you are actually invested in your employees that are in the LGBTQ community. Yeah. I think that that's a big one. I think having employee groups for employees to meet that are facilitated during the work hours um, and creating those safe spaces. Those are the two, probably the biggest like quick wins that I think companies can have. Big, great. Yeah. What about you, Val? Um, I really like that at times our company will set a line and hold it where a few years ago, we had been pushing because of the human rights campaign, corporate equality index, we'd been pushing for there to be a manager's toolkit for how to handle when employees are transitioning, how to handle all the paperwork, how to handle name change, how to handle restroom usage and stuff in the office. Like we, we needed that to be there and it took a little bit of time, but at a point the company said, yes, this is the line and we are going to hold it. And I've helped out with some employees transitioning and helping their manager in meetings, have conversations with people about gender and identity and making sure that when they come back to work, they're going to be met with respectful questions if they have questions or they're, they're not going to be harassed in the restrooms. They're not like because the company is holding that line. Yeah, I love like that. Like you, you can believe whatever you want outside of work, but at work, this, this is, is how, how we do it. Huh. This is our company culture. That's great. What about you? I would say listen to the members of the community that work for you. We are the ones that know what's going on and what's affecting us. And we also know, or at least have a good idea, what we need, what changes we need. Telling a community, and that acts for any community. It applies to to LGBT plus community. I'm sure it applies to any diverse community. Mm. We know what we want. We know what we're experiencing. And if you listen to us, we'll tell you. (laughs) I love that. You know, instead of like, here's what we're going to give you. How about like, hey, what do you need? Just like Mm -hmm. changing the lens once again. Thanks, you guys, so much, all of you, for being here with us today. This was really a wonderful conversation. And if you want to find out more, you can go to beyondwellsolutions.com or you can contact me at my personal pages, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat at Sheila Hamilton.